0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Okay, class, take your seats. I said, take your seats, class. Shh! I swear, you're all acting like a bunch of animals. <laughs> Pet Life Radio presents Teacher's Pet, where you'll learn how to understand and communicate with your pet and train them to be the best pet they can be. It's time to see the world from your pet's point of view, so give a tail wagging welcome to your Teacher's Pet host on PetLifeRadio.com. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Hi, I'm Nan Tolino, and welcome to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio.
2: Well, as every mom in the country knows, school's back in session, so it's a very appropriate time for me to introduce my very esteemed guest. And I'm proud to say that I am part of the alumni of his wonderful school. Here is the founder and president of the Animal Behavior College, also known as ABC, Mr. Stephen Applebaum. Hi, Steve. Hi,
0: Nan. How are you?
2: Good, good. Welcome. It's a pleasure to talk with you today. Well, I just want to first thank you. I want to take this opportunity to thank you personally because ABC has done wonders for me and has really started me really on fulfilling a path to my lifelong dream. And I got to say many dogs thank you as well, many of my clients. So <laughs> I just wanted to get that out well, of the
0: that, way. That, that makes it worthwhile for me. It really does. <laughs> um, it is wonderful to uh, to hear from students and from graduates that are doing well and following their dreams. I mean, that's really what this is all about.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Steve, give us the history, um, how you started, and and of course, how you started the school. Give us some background. Oh, gosh.
0: (laughs) That's that's a long story. Well, basically, um, I had a a company before this. I was a a dog trainer for many years, and uh, through a combination of circumstances, I wound up doing the obedience classes for Petco, started locally here in Los Angeles, and ultimately grew into something national. And at the time, I think they were at about 550 stores. It was exceptionally difficult to find trainers for all of these different locations. Mm-hmm. I mean, for one, we found that about 60 to 70% of the people that would come to us looking for jobs as professional trainers that claimed to have professional experience couldn't pass the exam that we had because we, we had to have consistency amongst our training staff. Um. So there was there was the issue of education, and there was also the fact that it was really tough to find trainers. And we could find them in primary markets like L. A. and and uh, New York and Chicago, but when we started to get into secondary and even smaller markets, it became very very challenging. And in fact, uh, in 1997, 96, uh, we were spending like twenty five thousand dollars a month on classified advertising, just a little bit before the internet took off, uh,
2: mm-hmm. looking
0: for trainers who couldn't find them. Wow. And so as a result of that we realized that we really needed to grow our own trainers. And so but I looked at the the typical business models or educational models for for schools and they really didn't fit. Uh, I mean, uh, I first visualized kind of a brick and mortar, you know, a little classroom, some sort of physical location to work with the dogs. It typically have to be inside in most parts of the country because obviously of weather conditions. But I didn't have, you know, the capital to set up 15 or 20 of these locations all over the country. So the the traditional model wasn't going to work. You know, then I looked at correspondence programs. Now the internet has put a new wrinkle on that whole correspondence idea but it's not a new concept but -hmm. the challenge i had there was uh, there's no way that you could become a dog trainer just by reading books or watching videos listening to audios there there had to be more than that there had to be a hands-on component and so correspondence programming really wasn't going to work either and those were the only two models i knew well at the time we had roughly 400 450 classes running through petco And it it occurred to me that what I really needed to do is I needed to take that platform because we had trainers pretty much in every market. We just didn't have full coverage in these markets. And I would need to create some sort of a distance learning program for the theoretical aspects of behavior. You know, you didn't need to go and sit in a classroom to learn that and combine that with a hands-on portion so that trainers or students, rather, could actually get the hands-on experience they need because afterwards we were going to hire them, you know, to work for my company. And so, with this kind of hybrid model in mind, I set it up, and it worked fantastically well. And I realized within the first year that that had the potential to be a better and more rewarding business than the one I was in. And that so, I operated for four or five years. It just took
2: off. What and, a wonderful uh, concept, especially with the way the world is today. I mean, you can reach many more people, and people are dividing their time. But, like you said, the one way was just not productive, and it's certainly not going to be effective as a dog trainer. So, what a wonderful idea that you came up with.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny.
0: I had it in the shower. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. And since then, I have—I've uh, have not been beyond getting into the shower just to come up with more ideas. But it doesn't work that way. <laughs> I think it was a one-time, a one-time shot. I had <laughs> my one great bulb. idea.
2: <laughs> hey, you got to grab that, that a, light bulb when it comes. That's Fair true.
0: <laughs> that's true. Now, but it's been a wonderful, wonderful journey. It really has. Petco bought us out of the uh, of the other business in two thousand and four. But by then. The school, Animal Behavior College, was uh, completely standalone and actually doing better than the business that I sold. And so uh, it's just been it's been amazing since then, uh, through hard times and through good times. You know? Yeah.
2: So, so, so what year was it that this concept began with you?
0: The Concept was like nineteen ninety seven, ninety eight. The school was yeah. founded in ninety nine. So. Mm-hmm. It all came together. uh, Yeah, first year, I believe we had uh, 15 or 16 students. (laughs) So it's grown a bit since then. We started a a veterinary assistant program in uh, 2008, Mm -hmm. and uh, we launched our grooming program in uh, the late 2009.
2: Wow. And I'm glad you brought that up because I know you currently have some wonderful programs to tell us about as well. We're going to take a short commercial break, very short. And when we come back, Steve will tell us about those programs. And we'll talk a little bit about how the pet industry, what's happening as far as our economic recession and how it may be affecting the pet industry. We'll talk about that with Steve next. Keep it here on Teachers Pet on Pet Life Radio.
1: Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's pet will be back in two shakes of a tail right after recess.
0: At Petco, we really love pets. There isn't anything we won't do to make sure they're getting the best products and the best care. So when you ask us a question like,
1: So how do you feel about cat
0: condos? We can say from experience...
1: Feels like home... Enter the code TEACHER10, TEACHER, the number
0: 10, and get 10% off any order, no minimum, at Petco.com.
1: Best bets for pets every week only on PetLifeRadio.com.
0: Let's talk pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now, park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Ugh. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Hi, and welcome back to Teacher's
2: Pet on Pet Life Radio. I'm Nantelino, and I am here with my esteemed guest, Mr. Steven Applebaum, the president of Animal Behavior College, ABC. And I must say I am biased because it's certainly very justified, though, for this a very innovative school that has produced many skillful and highly effective trainers, <clears throat> like yours truly. And uh, so I, I could say firsthand that it is a great school. And Steve, thanks again for stopping by. And we want to ask you right now, tell us a little bit about what's going on with your special programs. I know you have ongoing programs, but right now you have uh, some in particular that are of special interest, one being the Students Saving Lives program. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, student saving lives was uh, originally conceived back in in 2004, mm-hmm. and, and and basically there was a twofold twofold reasons, or there were two reasons for uh, for setting this up. The first, we wanted trainers to really get into this business with an idea of giving back, understanding that they could do so much good if they could reach dogs that were in shelters, yeah, because. All you have to do is go to a shelter to understand what I mean. Yes. Um, There are millions of dogs all over this country that need to be adopted, and Mm. trainers have the ability to make a tangible difference in these dogs' lives. Some of these dogs are there due to treatable behavior problems. Trainers can get in there and work with them. They can make it far less likely that the dogs will be returned to a shelter. I mean, there's there's a whole host of things that they can do. So we felt... The ability to help to reach out and work with the shelter community was just a, a fantastic thing that they can do. And there had been a change in shelter attitudes as well. You know, for years, the mantra that came out of shelters and rescues was, and still is, spay and neuter, spay and neuter. And that's a very important message.
1: Right. But
0: of late, certainly over the last 10 or so years, the message has changed to spay, neuter, train. Spay, right. neuter, train. There's a big correlation between behavior and untreated behavior problems and dogs being abandoned, dogs being abused. And so trainers able to work with shelters, able to understand about how shelters function and what Uh they can do to help would have to be a great thing for all concerned, a win-win, to use the cliche. Uh So we set it up, and basically what it was and what it is is we asked all of our students to volunteer 10 hours worth of their time during the time they were enrolled in our program at a local shelter. And uh, we found that over 90% of our students actually fulfilled their promise. And since 2004, we've had over 6,000 students that have participated in the student uh, the Student Saving Lives program. Wow! Um, so it's a huge number. And in fact, we've documented. And when I, you know, when I first read this number, I thought it was a typo. But um, we've 67,000 hours, actually 67,650 hours. Worth of students, worth of student hours in shelters all across the United States and Canada. And that's conservative because that's just the 10 hours we can track. Mm
1: -hmm. Many of
0: these students donate a good deal more than that. In fact, many of them build the kinds of relationships with shelters that allow them to work on building their businesses once they graduate and become full-fledged trainers. We also have a percentage of our student body that takes our program you know, just typically between uh, 12 to 18 months to complete. Yeah. And then donates all of their time, just working in shelters. They don't charge at all. They're just, they're just giving back.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. When the passion is there, it's there. And, you know, I know personally because my, individually, my passion was with shelter dogs. So, you know, having been a student myself and working within the shelter, I know exactly firsthand what you're talking about. And it is amazing. And the hands on is phenomenal. And it does, it grows your passion. It increases your enthusiasm to help. And it's probably the most fulfilling thing. And, and it's such a wonderful learning process. And you're right, it's win win because the dogs are being helped. You're establishing contacts. You're growing your business in the future. But the most important thing is you're Making a difference. But another thing, too, and I, you know, these are dogs that hopefully and most likely, and if you do your job well, won't be returning to shelters to face any type sure. of euthanasia, you know, so you're making a major difference. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, Steve. Yeah. yeah, We're
0: very, very proud of that program and uh, mm-hmm. we will continue it. We're actually going to expand it. We're trying to get groomers into the grooming students into the shelters as well. They're, they're not, oh, great. I mean, the kind of difference they're going to make is going to be a little bit different, obviously. I mean, they're not working in behavior. But, I mean, there's an aesthetic uh, function here as well. I mean, let's face it, dogs that are nicely groomed, that look great, are going to be that much more likely to be adopted, especially if they're well-behaved on top of it. Sure, so
2: sure. We're, sure. we're really,
0: very excited about it.
2: That's wonderful. Now, I know another program you have is the Military Spouse Students Program. Can you tell us about that?
0: Yeah, the, that's uh, the uh, Military Spouse Career Advancement Account Program, which is my okay. CAA. It's, it's, uh, it's sponsored by the Department of Defense. Mm-hmm. And basically, it, it was designed to help military families, many of whom struggle. I mean, they, especially in the in the uh, lower ranks, trying to raise or rather uh, have a family on the roughly twenty one or twenty two thousand dollars a year that uh, some of the soldiers make can be very very difficult. And so, the Department of Defense set up this program in which. The spouses of active-duty military personnel can receive up to $4,000 worth of educational benefits to pursue either associate's degrees or career certificates and licensing programs. And uh, the, the schools have to be approved. Our school was approved, uh, I guess, about two and a half years ago. And since then, we've had over 1,500 military spouses take this program.
1: Wow, that's uh, or wonderful. Rather take
0: the programs. Uh, they, they, t- they can take all three. It's been very, very successful and very popular. And the unique nature of our educational program makes it tailor-made for, uh, for, for military families. Yeah, because the externship, I mean, basically we have externs, or rather mentors, all across the country. And so, you know, hypothetically, you could be stationed in Maine get transferred to San Diego, which would probably make you happy. And uh, <laughs> you, could, you could start the program in Maine and pick it up in San Diego because we have mentors all over the place. So it makes it, it makes it easier from a consistency standpoint for the spouses to stay in the program. And, of course, these are highly functional programs, both while they're in the military and out of the military. I mean, they can ply their trades anywhere in the country this is true for dog trainers it's also true for uh, veterinary assistants and for groomers in fact the on that program the veterinary assistant program is uh, fast becoming the most popular of the three program choices you know in part because uh, i think there's something like and i saw the statistic 23,000 veterinary hospitals all across the country.
2: Oh, wow. And so
0: with that many veterinary hospitals, you know, it's, it, it becomes viable for somebody that takes the program, graduates, to get a job pretty much anywhere in the country. Uh, sure. Groomers, too. I mean, there's roughly 75,000 grooming
2: salons. Okay, good. So this brings me to my question about, you know, the, the state that we're in, you know, the economic recession and how it's affecting what's happening with the pet industry. So obviously, it looks like the numbers are okay. I mean, they're, are they growing? Or what's happening overall, yeah. do you think?
0: Yeah, the, the, the pet industry is doing very well. I mean, you right. know, obviously, this has been a very deep and, quite frankly, frightening recession. Um, and uh, you know, it's, it's impacted everybody. Sure. People in every walk of life have been impacted. But if you look at the numbers, according to the American Pet Products Association, the APPA, in 2009, you had about $45.5 billion spent in the pet industry. Wow. And uh, that's that's going up to $48 billion in 2010.
2: Now, this takes in everything? It's bigger than the
0: toy business.
2: Yeah. As wow.
0: As yeah. T- that's t- a little misleading. I mean, people hear that and they think, my gosh, people spend more on their dogs than they do on their kids. No. That's just the toy business as yeah, opposed yeah. to the pet business as a whole, which is everything, but it's still huge numbers.
2: Sure is. Yeah. Yeah. And,
0: and that's an increase. I mean, that's a 6.2% increase.
2: At least we know where they're being treated like family. You know what I mean? That, that they're right. not being neglected. You know, that's a good thing.
0: That's a good That's thing. right. Now that, you know, conversely, shelters do report that uh, uh, greater numbers of dogs are being brought to shelters, in part because some people just can't afford to keep them. Yeah. Um, you know, I adopted a basset hound about seven months ago. And uh, the general belief is is that the person that brought that dog in brought the dog in because they couldn't afford to keep the dog. The dog had gotten sick, and
2: mm-hmm. you know, they didn't
0: want to take the dog to uh, you know, a county shelter. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but they want to take the dog to a, a no-kill yeah. facility. Sure. Know, the, the dog brought up at a Bassett Rescue, and that's, that's not an uncommon story. But yeah. now the pet industry is doing, is doing well. It's shown consistent growth for about the last 20 years. And um, we have every reason to believe that it will continue to do extremely well. Uh, By the way, in, in 2011... Uh, the projections are that it will exceed 50 billion dollars which is a 5.1% increase over 2010 and again wow. i mean this is this is a time when you know you have industries that are showing double digit sure. losses sure. so it's it's and that and that bodes well for people that are looking to get into the pet business whether it's in the veterinary side or the grooming side or the training side people as you said will treat their pets like family and will spend and I knew that. I knew that a long time ago. I remember going to a, a shot clinic years ago. I mean, this is like 25 years ago at mm-hmm. a park before they would typically do them, you know, in various pet stores or whatnot. You'd go to these local parks. And I remember it was, it was drizzling. And there must have been 150 people standing in line. And I remember thinking to myself, if these were inoculations for the owners, there wouldn't be a third this many people. <laughs> but for their pets, <laughs> funny, people yeah. will stand in line. I mean, it's just... I it's believe just, it.
2: It's true. We're going to take a short commercial break. Keep it here on Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio.
1: Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's Pet will be back in two shakes of a tail right after recess. (laughs)
0: Go to PetMeds.com forward slash teacher to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com.
1: Join us here on Pet Life Radio on a Super Smiley Adventure. Good boy. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet <laughs> Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, teacher's pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Hi, and welcome back to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. I'm Nantelino,
2: and I am here with my esteemed guest, Mr. Steven Applebaum, the president of Animal Behavior College, ABC. Steve, thanks again for stopping by. And there's the flip side. You know, you look at the shelters, and it's heartbreaking. And you do what we can. You know, we do what we can. But then you look at the other side of the coin, and you say, okay, the dogs that do have homes, and of course with the responsible people, and you do see the numbers. Thankfully, you know, they're doing well, you know, so I guess there's always a pro and con, so. That's right. Yeah. That's
0: right, and, and trainers especially can make a huge difference. You know, people, uh, because there's so many options for training. I mean, you know, a, a professional trainer can offer private lessons. Right. They can offer kennel programming. They can offer group classes, which can be very inexpensive. They can offer various problem-solving clinics. There really are options for people in all economic conditions, and since behavior is such a key part to the human-dog relationship, you know, people, uh, people give up their dogs a lot of times because the dogs cause damage, uh, you know, they're not house-trained, and these are behaviors that can be treated and dealt with very effectively you know, using sure. positive methods, and thus people can keep their dogs and have, uh, you know, many happy years with them. So trainers can make a big difference.
2: Sure. So, yeah, and that's and that's the most important thing that people should be aware that there is help out there. They they just Absolutely. need to to look for it. You know, they don't need to give up. And that makes a difference between a, you know, a responsible caregiver and someone who just wants to take home a dog on a whim. But, you know, that's a whole different story. But we know there are responsible people out there, but people, and I think anybody who, who seeks help, we know that they're on the right track because obviously that's they right. need help for the dog. And, and it's great to know that the possibilities are still there. You know, that's a positive thing. So for aspiring dog trainers, you know, gives them some information about what they need to do, you know, do what uh, I did. Kind of go to your website and all you need to tell absolutely. them.
0: Absolutely. Now, any, anybody that, anybody that's interested in, in, in this career, I mean, there are any number of ways, uh, but uh, certainly you can uh, go to our website, which is uh, animalbehavior.com, or you can just, uh, you can call us too. I mean, you're, sure. you're, we're here pretty much all the time. seems like I'm here all the time, <laughs> and uh, I mean, I can give out that number. It's 800-795-3294, um, mm-hmm. okay, 795-3294, mm-hmm. or I'll give you another number, 866 507 that's okay. 866-507-9874, and um, you know, somebody will be happy to explain to you what's involved in getting involved, and that's mm-hmm. for, for any program. And we, there's also one other thing I'd like to mention if I can. Sure. We have a new program that we're very excited about, a continuing education program for cat training. Oh, and, great. Uh, yeah, there's, I believe there's 90 million cats in, the, mm-hmm. in this country, more cats in this country than dogs. There is a perception among some people that cats can't train. Mm-hmm. You know, that's because when people picture training, they picture you know, putting a cat on a leash or teaching the cat to you know, play the piano or something. It's not so much teaching a cat obedience cues as much as it is dealing with behavior challenges, spraying, litter box issues, scratching furniture, socialization. And Mm -hmm. all of those behaviors can be very effectively and positively treated. So, uh, starting in uh, the beginning of the fourth quarter of this year, uh, this will be a program that we're launching. And we're going to recommend that all dog trainers take this because it will give them another marketable skill. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when we look at the number of, you know, you go to a shelter and we're all torn uh, and heartbroken by the number of dogs in shelters. But the truth of the matter is is there are more cats in shelters than there are dogs. and Oftentimes for untreated behavior problems as well. And so this is another way that we're going to give back. And uh, we felt very strongly about this. You know, when we looked at the program, we considered making it a, what we call a large program, like our dog obedience trainer program. You know, a a 12-month program. It's, uh, you know, a real commitment. And uh, while the program is very extensive, One of the things we elected to do was to make it a continuing education course in part because we could keep the price low. We felt very, very strongly that we wanted as many people as possible to get involved in this because, quite frankly, we know that the more people that are involved in learning how to train cats like they train dogs, means fewer cats are going to wind up being euthanized they wind up in shelters, and instead they can wind up in forever homes. So it's really we're very excited about.
2: Sure. And that's wonderful because, you know, coming from, you know, a very reputable school and environment such as your school, to know that that training is out there is wonderful because the thing is I don't really know of many places even offering that, let alone coming from a curriculum such as this. So that is phenomenal. And also personally, you know, working with shelters, and I had recently gotten, I don't have it in front of me, but I had gotten the paper Maybe psychologically, I want to block it out of my mind because I can't remember the number, but I had one of those pyramid pictures of like, I'm sure you might know this, Steve, but like, you know, when just two cats mate and, you know, the crazy chain of numbers that follow of being unspayed and unneutered, you know what I mean? And when you see that visually on a piece of paper and then you know, and this isn't just one city alone, let alone multiply that by every state and, you know, as many dogs as there are, right there are that many more cats, and it's frightening to think of, you know, and they do get overlooked because then you hear that horrible, you know, cliche of people that are uneducated, sort of, I hate to throw that out there, but kind of, when they say, you know, cats can survive out there, that always throws me off, because, you know, we need to be responsible and care for these animals, it's not the wild, you know, and people are, right, yeah, and so, You know, just because they seem to get by a little better than dogs or they're smaller and they kind of, you know, duck under cars or all those things that they do to stay alive, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're surviving well. And we all know that outdoor cats have a lot longer lifespan than indoor cats, and they're certainly not healthy. So to prevent all that, this is just a wonderful, wonderful uh, course. No, so, you hit
0: on something very key, which is it starts It starts with education.
2: Sure. And,
0: uh, you know, I think as more and more people are educated as to how they can give their cats better lives. And do it in a way that's positive. You're gonna see that many more better trained cats, that many more happier pet parents, and hopefully fewer cats that uh, that wind up in shelters. So.
2: Right, right. I'd be remiss if I didn't, I hope you're okay with this, if I didn't ask you to give a tip for a dog and a tip for a cat for all our listeners. Cause you are, you know, you have all the answers.
0: <laughs> a tip, <laughs> a tip, a tip training, for a dog, okay. Training,
2: well, for the people who care for the dogs. <laughs>
0: A general tip I would give for, for anybody trying to train a dog is to understand that if you're looking to try to modify
2: mm-hmm.
0: an already existing behavior, you're typically looking to change something that has been successful thousands of times. Let's say, for example, the dog jumps up on people and you want to stop this behavior. You, you know, it's a big dog, dog might hurt somebody, it's a little bit obnoxious, but the dog has been doing this for months and months and months. People are very, and and I'm guilty of this sometimes too, very immediate gratification oriented. They want solutions yesterday and they oftentimes lose sight of the fact that if a behavior has existed for 5,000 times, it's not going to go away in six repetitions. So the first general tip is patience is extremely important. Mm -hmm. Um, Along those lines, I would also say rather than focus on punishing an unacceptable behavior, You are much better off rewarding a proper behavior. That is a very, very important point. A lot of people just react to behaviors that they don't like. The dog jumps, they tell the dog no, and they push the dog away kind of a thing. What they ought to be doing or what they will find is more effective and more positive is praising the dog when the dog greets them in a calm fashion, either on all fours or sitting. The more you reinforce the proper behavior, the stronger that behavior becomes, and the less likely the inappropriate behavior will exist. Ultimately, you're looking to create a stronger behavior than the one that already exists. And you can do that positively as long as you understand that it's a process and it's going to take a little bit of time. So, having patience, using positive methods are some you know, basic general tips. I mean, I can get into specifics if you'd like. The same thing, by the way, exists for cats. The thing to understand about cats is cats are very pattern-oriented, and they're very, very sensitive environmentally. And they respond as people do, and as dogs do, or really as most intelligent beings do, to stress in a variety of fashions. So, for example, uh, if you have a cat and you bring a new cat into the home, oftentimes what will happen is that this will create stress on the part of the first cat which can create spraying or litter box problems or things like that. And so understanding this, you know, you need to take precautions when you bring a new cat into an already existing cat's home to make sure there are multiple litter boxes, make sure that the cats have the ability to get up off the floor, that kind of thing. And that will go far towards helping you to eliminate the problem Uh, and of course praising the cat when he or she goes in the correct place you know that kind of a thing you know as opposed to running around trying to catch the cat in the act of doing something wrong so that you can scold her which is rarely going to be effective so when you're dealing with behavior patience practice positive reinforcement of appropriate behavior um and also understand that um behavior is not modified overnight. It really isn't. But when you deal with behavior, if you understand the root cause of the behavior, you're going to be much better off in dealing with it. If it's boredom, you have to deal with boredom. If it's teething, you have to deal with teething. If it's house-soiling because the dog has never learned to properly go to the bathroom in the right place, you have to teach the dog the appropriate place to go and so on and so forth
2: wonderful words. Well, you know
0: all this anyway. You're a graduate.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm listening to you, and I'm like, oh, I remember. (laughs) And when I I talk to these people, but you know what's the most effective is what you say, because it's new to them when you tell them to reward. You can almost see it's soothing to them, because they're thinking, oh, that's easy to do, but I never thought of it, you know, is to reward the positive behavior. Don't get frustrated on the negative. Concentrate on the positive. That's easier. And when they see the results, they're thinking, okay, but why didn't I think of that? You know, and that's it's right. sort of, it's, it's it's kind of very intuitive on their personality too. It kind of helps them even as a person. It kind oh, of yeah. adds positivity in their lives and, of course, translates into the lives of the dog. And at the same time, you're reconditioning and you're kind of, uh, you're achieving the appropriate behavior from the dog. But at the same time, there's sort of peace abounding for everybody. So no, it, that's it's, absolutely true. <laughs> right? Actually, I needed to hear you say that. So. It's just one of those things that it's kind of cool, you know, to kind of have that reinforced coming from the, the president of the no, school. No, uh,
0: no, that's, that's <laughs> true. Well, you hit on something else that uh, I would recommend to all trainers, remember, which is you said, it's new to them. Right. You know, one of the most difficult things I had as a trainer after about 10 or 12 years was, you know, well, every situation is unique, there are a lot of situations that are very similar. And so you find yourself as your, uh, as a professional full-time trainer getting asked a lot of the same questions over and over again. You know, how do I deal with this house breaking? How do I stop the dog from chewing? How do I teach the dog not to jump? And so on and so forth. And it becomes difficult for trainers after a while not to kind of go into this rote response, you know, where, oh, you asked me that question. That's paragraph six, chapter eight. You know, one of the ways that it helped me was to remember that even though I've heard a lot of this stuff again and again and again, it's absolutely new for the owner. And Fine. if you keep that in mind it makes it it makes it easier to keep it fresh. Mm -hmm. Um, Because trainers can sometimes burn out on that after a while. And you see the uh, look on the
2: person's face, and you see the reaction, and you see the reaction of the dog, and you're thinking, it works for everybody. And so you're right, it it becomes new. It becomes, you know, because every dog, just like every person, is an individual. And you want to do as much as you can for each dog. You never want it to become rote, like you're saying. You know, you never want to get to that point. Right. So,
0: Well, that's also why at Animal Behavior College, we like to teach our students to be Open-minded when it comes to methods, because sure. while there are certain methods that we certainly don't recommend, no one technique is going to work with every dog in every situation. It's just, right. it's just not the way behavior works. There's just too many variables, and so uh, you know, trainers can keep an open mind um, and recognize that, as uh, as the Association of Pet Dog Trainers say, and we agree, there are many tools in the toolbox. That's uh that's a very important thing for trainers to understand and quite frankly for pet parents to understand as well. There's not mm-hmm. one method to address behavior, there are many methods. And it, it's, it's
2: encouraging for people and trainers of course, but it's encouraging for clients because then they know it's not that something's wrong with my dog. We just have to approach it this way, but it's still positive and it's still effective and you know, it just works this way for your dog. Your dog's, you know, that's temperament, right. things like that. So the yeah, odds you Steve, tell I people can...
0: all the time, it's not there's nothing wrong with the dog, there's something wrong with you. No, I'm kidding, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> But it's true. No, (laughs) it's partially true. Sometimes.
2: (laughs) Well, they do need to learn, you know. That people need to learn, and then, and then everybody learns, you know. So, Steve, I can go on and on and on. This is fascinating, and of course, you know, this is my, this is my passion too. So, can hear that
0: in your voice. (laughs) You know what I'll do is, um, we'll figure out a way when once we get the um, the cat program finished up, um, I'll make sure you get a copy. We'll send you a copy of this great and if you have time you know and you'd like to uh, run through the program go ahead and do that and uh, I'd love to get your feedback
2: on. oh I would love to absolutely that, and that's going to ensure that you, you come back to the show too right That would be my pleasure. Thanks, Steve. Once again, we like to thank Stephen Applebaum, the president and founder of Animal Behavior College ABC. Thank you so much, Steve. I'm Nantolino, and you're listening to Teacher's Pet. We'll be talking with you very soon, once again. And then, remember, in the meantime, create peace for you and your companion animal for a happier, healthier life together. It's my mission to make your dog a teacher's pet actually top of the class as well.
1: Join us next time on Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. Schools in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet, only on PetLifeRadio.com.